Everybody that you meet, you can learn something from them. It's not necessarily what you achieve in life that matters most, but it's who you become in the process of those achievements that really matters. We all need people who believe in us. They expand the boundaries we place on our own lives. What makes me most proud is how I played the game. Being real, authentic, and spontaneous, and loving the game, to me, is what it was all about. When you retire, you may get a chance to go to football heaven. This is football heaven. Welcome to The Mission, I'm Jameer Howerton, and today I am so honored to be joined by the Chief Operating Officer and Executive Director of Hall of Fame Productions, Mr. George Varis. George, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule, and before we jump in and start talking about all of the rich work and the content that we're building here at the Hall, we have to talk about these two teams. Well, Jets, 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 new coach Adam Gase uh, staring in the camera for about 20 minutes yesterday, and another new coach we've got, a guy who's uh, named, uh, he speaks of the fact that now he's got the groceries to cook in Freddy Kitchens, just like Bill Parcell wanted the groceries, and he seems to have the handle on them. But Jay, you and I have a great history with both teams. Why don't you start first? Well, I want to start with the Jets, um, because if it wasn't for the Jets, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in today. And just being a ball boy as a kid growing up, um, 1988, 1989, and then being hired right out of school, 1993, and just really cutting my teeth in the NFL and having the opportunity to work with so many coaches, starting out with Bruce Coslett, mm -hmm. then Pete Carroll, then Rich Kotite, and then from Rich Kotite, of course, Pro Football Hall of Famer Bill Parcells. Mm -hmm. And um, just being in that locker room and learning the methods of each individual, I like to call them mad scientists, their methods, um, how they formulate their teams. Mm -hmm. And so many players um, that have gone and now looking back at their rich careers. But most of all, just seeing how uh, a small fraternity that this is when it comes to the coaching staffs and, and, and the different uh, trees that these guys are developed under. And then later from there, I would uh, come to the Cleveland Browns in uh, 99 and uh, I would have the opportunity to bump into this guy right here in what, 2005? Yep, 2005. I have a question for you. How did you get introduced to the Jets? How did you get your job as a bowler? Well, um, guys, this interview was supposed to be for our CEO, <laughs> who happens to be my boss, but I like the way he pivots and puts it on me, but this is great. So, um, <laughs> Um, rest in peace, uh, Mr. Bill Hampton Sr. Uh, Bill Hampton, um, his son Clay Hampton, Drew, his sons Clay, Drew, Billy, Brian, and Derek. Uh, but most of all, Derek, um, Derek Hampton, dear friend of mine, his dad was the head equipment manager, longtime equipment manager for the New York Jets. And in fact, I know that you uh, actually worked with Mr. Hampton, and uh, that's, I went to school with them in, in Bayshore, Bayshore, Long Island. So you were in school with Bill Jr. And I, no, I was in Clay, school with, with, I was in school with Derek. Derek and I oh. went to school together. Got and it. we graduated high school, um, I'm not gonna tell my age, but we graduated high school in 1989, and um, we were, you know, when, you, when you're in homeroom, you, you're, mm. you're under the same, right. you know, Hampton the Howard, Yeah, yep. so Hampton and Howerton, we, yep. we were in the same uh, homeroom together, and we just became best, the best of friends. And, you know, as a kid growing up, Billy Jr. Um, would um, come pick us up, 
and um, right, like right from school, and we would go and fold towels and uh, bump into the likes of Al Toon, mm. Freeman McNeil, mm. Ken O'Brien, mm. and you know the list goes on of the old Jet players. And like I said, just being a a, a kid growing up in Long Island, working for the team, because you know you you grew up in New York. If you if you live on an island, you root for the Jets and the Islanders. Um, if you grew up in a city, you root for the Giants and the Rangers but everybody rooted for the Knicks. That's the way it was in New York. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, everybody everybody was Knicks fans, you know, but then later coming to Cleveland, Ohio, I dropped my uh, pinstripes for the Cavs. Well, it's interesting uh, to know about our, our connection, which is the same name, Hampton. Uh, I didn't uh, get my job because of Bill Hampton, but uh, my uncle was a team physician for the Titans, uh, Dr. James Nicholas. And so when I used to go back to visit my relatives in New York, he took me to the games at the Polo Grounds. And, uh, you know, I was an 11 or 12-year-old. That was fascinating. And then uh, he was kind enough, and we had a great uh, relationship. We were both sports aficionados. Uh, he got me the job as a ball boy for the Jets the first day Joe Namath walked on the field when he was signed and came down in a green four-door Lincoln Continental uh, that Sonny Werblin got for him, and immediately the veterans said, that's not going to cut it here. He's got to walk down with the rest of us. Um, but being on that field the first day, I ended up working for the same man you did, Bill Hampton Sr. And actually, I babysat for the Hampton kids. Dolly Hampton was the wife, Drew Clay and Billy was the one. And then ironically for both of us, uh, Bill Jr. brought you to the Browns because yeah. he was brought over as a director of player football operations. Uh, I did not get my job with the Browns through Bill, but the fact that you and Bill were already there made it so wonderful to come back to Cleveland where I grew up as a kid, having been in New York for 35 years, and through John Collins, got a job with the Browns, and then we ended up working together, and look how it's led us here to the Hall of Fame. And thank you for bringing me to the Hall of Fame because um, just that's the opportunity that it all started right here. Right. So that's just a little bit of a brief background and 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 once again how cool is it you know for me to say I'm sitting down with my boss because not a lot of people get along with their boss but I love this man and I'm thankful <laughs> for this man hey, well you so. have to we're on camera on tape <laughs> what else are you gonna say <laughs> but no it is we have a great group here uh, you know we're being filmed today by our producers Eric and Kara and uh, Jason Retner and uh, a great production team Max Siegel, uh, uh, Hall of Fame Productions, uh, we t this year we produced 10 hours of national television, we just came off of that, over 500 hours on our channel, um, and uh, this group is at the right time and the right place and the right group to take us to the next steps. Absolutely, and let's just go back when you came here to the Hall, George, because you know when you look at our mission statement and when you're honoring the heroes of the game, you're promoting those values, and those values are commitment, courage, respect, integrity, and excellence. This is truly in your wheelhouse where you look at the programs that you developed over your tenure, and if you can talk about those programs. Well, um, I was very blessed to uh, get the opportunity through uh, some people in the NFL who recommended me to come to the Hall of Fame in uh, 2009. Uh, it was an entity of the Hall of Fame. It was called Hall of Fame Enterprise. It was a for-profit entity that the players had created uh, with the NFL and with the Hall to try to find them programming that would make them feel relevant to the community and make them feel like they were giving back to the community. Um, we didn't really have that mission statement in place. Uh, David Baker brought it to us here in 2014. 
but um, they hired me to come up with programming that could be sponsorable. But really, the players said to me, and it was Mike Haynes and Nick Bonacani and the great late Merlin Olson, who interviewed me and said, you have to find a way and come up with an idea that we feel like we're shining a light back on everybody else. We've all had the light shine on us. Our gold jacket means everything to us, but how do we inspire people, change people's lives? So with that in mind, uh, we developed this first Hometown Hall of Famer program, where uh, one day when I was walking to the hall, there is a bronze plaque that is out there in the state of Ohio that talks about Canton being the home of the National Football League. So I went to Joe Horrigan, who ironically was a ball boy at the same time I was with the Buffalo Bills, and we actually worked together at a preseason game in Allentown, Pennsylvania. But I had actually been coming back to the hall and doing uh, shows for CBS when I produced the interval today. I produced the All Madden team here in 83. Um, I did a documentary on Tide of the Spiral and NFL Films and did the movie premiere here at the Hall and Enshrinement Week, ironically, in, in 2002. And in 2004, when I started working with the Browns, I came to Joe Horgan when I created a show celebrating the Browns' 40th anniversary. I knew the rich treasure trove of information and knowledge as the guardians of the game. So I went to Joe and I said, have we ever given plaques out? And Joe said, no. I said, what do you think is a good idea? I mean, here's the man who has uh, created the selection process, kept its highest level of integrity, works with the Hall of Famers on the speeches, and oversees the bronze bust, which is one of the most iconic symbols in all of sports. And I did not want to do something that would step on any of that. And Joe was a very intelligent and, and open-minded person. So I think it's a great idea. When I told him the concept that we would present a plaque to the high schools and now the colleges, honoring them for the Hall of Famers road to the hall and make those high schools and colleges an official high school or college of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They could use our market logo. If you're enrolled in school, you can come to the hall for free. Um, and Joe thought it was a terrific idea. I use Maslin plaque here in town locally uh, to create the plaque with the design. We use the relief of the bust at the top of the plaque to sort of honor that. And the reception was just incredible. Um, uh, Mark Lenave, who at the time was at Allstate, absolutely just loved the program. It fit what his mission was. And you say lead by the mission. So this was a, this filled the mission, even though we don't didn't know what it was, or David Baker, but it did exactly what he asked for. Preserve the history of the game, which means you're taking the history out to the high schools to remind kids who might not know Merlin Olson was 30, 40 years ago and see him in the flesh and hear him talk to them. You honor the heroes. We're honoring our heroes to give them this great platform. We're promoting the values of the game, and we're celebrating excellence everywhere because these ceremonies have to be enshrinement-like. People are used to seeing how the Hall gives out awards based on the national television shows of enshrinement. So you can't come into a place and do anything that is less than excellence. And I can tell you, we worked hard at it. I did it the first year myself. I then hired Brock Richards to help us as we did literally 45 a year around the country. But the gyms were packed. I could tell you these, some of these ceremonies were just unbelievable, how it changed people's lives how administrators and principals came up to us and said, thank you so much. Made the Hall of Famers feel good. And it actually followed another one of David Baker's favorite lines, which is, 
have fun, do good, and make money. <laughs> and we made money for the Hall of Famers, we made money for the Hall, and we fulfilled our mission. And I think that that's something that uh, we all now follow here in the building because of David's leadership. But we had set the platform with this program that we did and then moved on to others I know we're going to talk about. But what's interesting about following the mission is that at first you think, well, it's just a bunch of words. But if you really believe it and you see the power of the brand to make it effective, I mean, people want something of the Hall of Fame. They want, they come in the building to be inspired, and that's why we are the most inspiring place on earth, because they're, it's like they go to the Vatican. You know, the place where their religion is celebrated at the highest level of the best. Mm. Football, which is their religion in America, is celebrated at the highest level of the best here at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So taking that and going around the country and, and, and the gospel of the Hall of Fame and shine that light is the mantra that we follow with everything that we do. In 2008, one of the programs we did that spoke to celebrating excellence was the U.S. Army Pro Football Hall of Fame Award for Excellence, where we went out and actually celebrate the excellence of 25 high school student athletes. Talk about that program, because that program, I know for a fact, was well received in the community as when you speak of going out and packing the gyms and just everybody being involved and happy. Well, in the same way that, you know, you have to have somebody who believes in you like Mark Lenave did, uh, Anthony Munoz uh, led us to the U.S. Army. He was one of the early recipients of the hometown. And he came to me and said, um, this is a great program. I've been speaking at, down at the U.S. Army All-American Bowl for a number of years, and they are looking for something to help them get in the high schools. They literally were having trouble getting in the high schools to get recruits. Um, some high schools didn't let them on the campus. People didn't understand that the Army has less than 10% of what it does is fighting wars. They are uh, great technicians. They advance technology for aircraft. Um, they do a lot of work behind the scenes, security technology, uh, that's important to all of us, not just in wartime, but in peacetime. So we went actually to Fort Knox. And we met with the U.S. Army brass there, and then we met with Paul Deal, who was the head of the agency that represented the U.S. Army, Momentum. And uh, we showed them the hometown, and they said, can you come back with something for us? So the program we developed was the U.S. Army Award of Excellence. And this one, you have to qualify for. We created the application, Excellence in Community Service, Academics, and Athletics, and you have to write a 500-word essay, what it meant to be excellent. We started slow. We had 10 nominees. Um, we picked from probably maybe 200, because the Army would go out and use the applications way get in the high schools and say, you can apply for this award. They didn't get money for the award, but what they got was a weekend paid trip to the U.S. Army Bowl in San Antonio. They were presented on the field at halftime. They were made to feel part of being the part of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And this program, which we had for six years, which we started in 2012, grew and grew and grew to the point, as you mentioned before, uh, we did 25 of them. As Brock moved on to Vice President of Marketing and Sponsorship, uh, we used some other people here in the hall, Jerry Shockey, have her blessed to hire you as the program director with your great experience in handling events and working with uh, 
uh, Hall of Famers and working with school administrators in the work you did with the, uh, with the Browns. Um, and so we went out to the 25. We also uh, did a program for the uh, uh, U.S. Army All-American Bowl. Two gold jackets came down. We're honorary coaches with the two teams, the East and West. We're mic'd up during the game. Uh, we began building our Hall of Fame productions, and we did a U.S. Army program in Ohio, and we did a live stream event of that and showed the Army the outreach and how people watched this program. So that was a tremendous run. It ended last year. No program lasts forever. Although the program stays, the sponsor left, and we're looking now to get another sponsor for that program. George, you know, we could talk about the impact of what it has on the community, but let's talk about the impact that it has on our gold jackets because these are guys, like you said, Mr. Merlin Olson, God bless his soul, he's no longer with us, but he came to you and said, hey, George, we need to develop a program that we're going to really impact this community. But what is the, what have you felt from the gold jackets after you know, they come back from being out in the community. What are those phone calls like? What are those emails are like for you? They feel like they're making a difference. They realize, when, when they speak, the whole auditorium is quiet. When, the, when we meet prior to the event with the parents and the recipient to run over the run of show, the parents cannot stop talking about what a great honor this is. We've had, you know, Steve Largence, which was held in a massive high school auditorium in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The governor came. Um, people, the Hall of Famers feel like that they can pass on their legacy and what they learn from the game and how they use the game in their post-game life to give people a direction in their life, a hope in their life, to be able to see that the pathway is there for them no matter how hard it was for the Hall of Famers. And these, Hall of Famers share the tough parts of their lives. I mean, Steve Largent was abused by, by his stepfather, and he spoke about it publicly, he spoke about it at the event. Um, so the reception from the Gold Jackets, and I'm curious to hear you, or your stories with the ones you've been with, has been overwhelmingly positive. The one problem we have with the program is, we just don't have enough to do everybody. Right. You know, we, we've done, we have, 363 living, uh, I'm sorry, Hall of Famers, 180 living gold jackets. And we've done a pretty impressive 115, 116 hometown Hall of Famer programs. But there are great guys out there, the Curly Culps, um, who have not had a chance to do it, but we're limited by the number we can do. And I'm very confident we'll get to everybody eventually. The hometown program is definitely not going away whether it's sponsored or not sponsored, it, it can stand on its own. I gotta tell you, the one we did together with Tony Dungy, and the fact that uh, Mr. Dungy hadn't been back to the University mm -hmm. of Minnesota in 25 years, and uh, was it longer, was it 25, or was it long? Yeah, about that. About that, and uh, just to see the impact that he had, and you actually had to leave, um, but the day of the game, he came to me with tears in his eyes, and he just hugged me, and he kept saying how, um, man, you gotta have every Hall of Famer has to right. do this. It that. has to be it's mandatory. Over. And it's like, you gotta tell George that. I was like, no, I know he knows, but but no, just the, the warm reception from him and how excited he was. But I gotta tell you, was the tearjerker for me was Chris Dolman, when we got a chance to go back to his yep. high school. And um, 
Chris had just recently has gone through um, his surgery and he's battling um, his cancer. illness. And um, for him to go back to his community and he hadn't been back home in 10 plus years and to be around his family and for us to be there just to kind of bring his family together as well as his community and the school, that was that was really heartfelt. That That's when I, it, it really hit me. And I remember speaking to you that night like, I see my purpose. Yep. I see what I'm doing. Over the course of this years of working for the Jets and the Browns and now here being at the Hall, it all makes sense. It really does. It makes and sense. And, you know, we have so many programs with Gold Jacket Relations as well. I mean, we have over 70 Gold Jackets that are going to be at the Super Bowl luncheon. Mm. We have uh, the Salute to Greatness golf tournaments that are done. Uh, in Chicago, they've been done in San Antonio, which raises money for foundations. We have a new one coming up this year in Dallas. Um, people want to see the gold jackets around the country, and these guys now know that it's not a full-time job, but it's a job of a lifetime to be able to do an event for the Hall of Fame. And it makes them feel so much a part of what we are, and really we are here because of them. You know, We're here to serve them. Um, so, as you and I have talked about before, this is a place where you never lose. <laughs> you know, we work for teams which didn't win, and it's right. painful not to win. It's hard on a team, and it's hard on an organization and a community. We are so blessed to be here where every single day, no matter what it is, we win at something. A fan comes to the building and brings a deceased mem a, a, a member who's dying here for their last wish. Uh, Kids come here, wa uh, walk in, and, and walk out wide-eyed. That's another incredible blessing. Uh, these programs that we do with the Hall of Famers, you know, people will come up to us and say, you're gonna be with who? You're the luckiest person in the world. And, and we really are in many, many ways, shapes, and forms. Um, but I think it also drives us to work harder to get that out to as many people. And really, with Hall of Fame Productions, Hall of Fame Channel, and today's world of social media, live streaming, television shows. I think for us that's the next mission. And I was really thrilled this year when we had two Hall of Famers who were in the media in James Lofton and Rod Woodson hosting a national broadcast. Because the way they speak about the kids in the game is different than when you're covering a football game or a football event. They bring to it what the game can mean to these young men. And these young men who are the top, for instance, All-Americans, National Signing Day, they were announcing their colleges. They have so many people coming at them with the scholarship and can you get to the national championship that the message of how this can be good for their lives gets a little bit lost. And when they're in front of these gold jackets and they hear that message, it can put them in the right position to take the most of their opportunities. And if they get to the championship game, great. But if they don't, that doesn't mean they failed. The fact they're playing at such a high level in a game that they love, that's adored by so many, how can they use that for the rest of their lives when they stop playing? Well, we can't stop and we won't stop. And as we look at 2019, we still have a lot going on. And, um, you know, we we didn't even mention Centene, Strong Youth, Strong Community, our healthcare provider oh. that we had um, teamed up with um, through the likes of Pro Football Hall of Famer Daryl Green and the great Joyce Larkin. Let's talk about that program because that program, you introduced me that to that last year in 2018, and we're moving forward in 2019. Again, uh, you know, here Daryl Green has had this program in Virginia, Strong Youth, Strong Community. 
And a lot, of the, our, a lot of our Hall of Famers have a lot of foundations and do a lot of foundation work. And when they saw the things that we're willing to do to try to partner with them and make it bigger and better, uh, like Anthony Mooney does, Daryl Green was the same way. And he brought Joyce Larkin, Larkin here, who was the head of Centene. People don't know who Centene is. They're headquartered in St. Louis. They are in the health and medical field. They handle 11 million Medicaid accounts in 18 states. They handle prison medical insurance. Their mission with the youth is to get into the youth community and get them on good habits early, whether it's behavioral habits, nutritional habits, lifestyle habits. And they were having problems as much as their programs were good, people accepting what they were saying because they didn't have the right messenger. They saw Daryl Green do this down in Virginia. Daryl asked me to come and watch one of the presentations, met with Joyce and Santine, presented them with this program opportunity where we would use, a little bit different than the other ones, sort of a mod squad of three, Anthony Munoz, Aeneas Williams, and Daryl, mm -hmm. because the messaging here was so on point and also in areas of social awareness that you need to literally be trained a little bit as a professional. Anthony Munoz run runs character camps. Uh, Aeneas Williams was called in as an interventionist for the disturbances in Ferguson. He is the uh, head pastor and founder of the Spirit Church in St. Louis. So we needed people with a real strong skill set. This was not just a presentation. This was an intervention. Mm. Okay. What we found, though, is that other Hall of Famers in their towns want to be part of it. And so now we've added other Hall of Famers like Randy Moss, who said, I'm all about doing something to help kids. I see this program you've got. Can we do this in Beckley, West Virginia, where I grew up and I want to give something back? And this program has grown in two years to the point where we went to Beckley, we had 1,100 kids in a basketball arena. Uh, Centene wanted to get the message out. They saw our growing strength in the area of production television, and they funded us to do a five-camera live stream show that appeared on every single PBS station in a three-state area, including on uh, the public television website. Uh, so this year, we're going to move to four big mega events and include media and TV into the component and social media. And that's the chain, turn change for us, is getting those programs we can get, now how do you get them out? Mm. Just like the Super Bowl luncheon is gonna be live stream. And we do a panel on the luncheon where we're talking about the historic black colleges. We're talking about issues of the game and use our forum and our platform as a way to let people know the things that can affect their lives and how football and what we're doing can help them do that. A lot of great things here at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Just so honored once again to have Mr. George Veris taking time out of his busy schedule. And once again, all these rich programs, you can follow it right on www.profootballhof.com and look for our live streaming channel where you can see all of this rich content. Well, for George Veris, I'm Jameer Howerton. Thanks for joining us right here on The Mission.